Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Jesus went away from a miracle, uh, raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. He went away from there, and he decided to go to his hometown. And his disciples followed him. They were traveling on dirt roads, on foot, to his hometown. He was coming to give the good news to the people that he had actually grown up with. These were his people, so to speak. As Jesus traveled, he probably gave numerous lessons. And he also, I just have to imagine, I imagine that he also shared some stories. Anytime I go to my hometown, I'm always like pointing out stuff. That's where we did, that's where we... Oh, that never mind about that. <laughs> but you get the idea. You're going to your hometown. You have lots of memories there. And I can also imagine the hometown getting ready. I remember when I went to uh, preach uh, around my hometown, there was a lot of like, you know, there was a lot of talk. What, what's what's going to be like? What's um, you can just imagine. I can almost hear these people back in Nazareth. They say he's been very successful since he's left here. People tell me that he's become very wise. You wouldn't even recognize him. You know what? I think I'm going to go down there and listen to him for myself. And the scriptures tell us that on the Sabbath, Jesus began to teach in the synagogue. And I just bet on that day, it was packed. Hometown boy, the carpenter, the local carpenter coming back. He's teaching in our synagogue and the people gathered around. Nazareth was a small town, so everybody there, if they were not new to the area, they would have known Jesus. So I can imagine some of them would be like, (laughs) going to like just remember remember me Um, they would have exchanged pleasantries with him uh, you know as they saw him coming into town or or maybe some hugs you get the idea this was a small town and people knew each other and more importantly for our purposes they knew Jesus they had known him all his life How long have you known Jesus? Have you known Jesus all your life? Were you baptized as a baby? Or were you recently baptized? Have you just started getting to know him? Well, the people of Nazareth, they thought they knew Jesus. When he started teaching in the synagogue that Sabbath, they realized that they really didn't. It says, many who heard him were astonished. The Greek word for that word, astonished, is uh, it's hard for me to say, which can also be translated as this. They were overwhelmed. They were struck outside of themselves. 
whether they wanted to admit it or not, they were realizing that Jesus might not just be who they thought he was. Could it be? He's the Messiah. Could it be we're in the presence of God? They realized that Jesus was claiming to be the Son of God. They were blown over. They did not know what to say. They could say nothing for themselves. What would you say if you were in the presence of God? Could you say anything at all? I have news for you. The scriptures say you are in the presence of God right now. Whenever two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus says, there I am also. So just as he was there, he is here. The Holy Spirit testifies that his He is present in his service through his word. In his presence, what can you say for yourself? In our Old Testament lesson, Ezekiel was also in the presence of God. We pick up right after this, after this part. When he came in the presence of God, he says, I fell on my face. He couldn't do anything else. When Ezekiel saw the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord, he was overwhelmed, astounded, struck outside himself. It's interesting to note that neither Ezekiel nor the people in the New Testament were strong in the presence of the Lord. We always try to hide our weaknesses. I think of uh, dating. I was recently talking to somebody who was dating and I was just thinking, oh, thank God I'm not dating anymore. <laughs> but uh, uh, that, it's only been seven years since I've been married, but I remember those dates. You'd want to put your best foot forward. You want to hide anything that are like flaws. And, and, it's, and sometimes we approach God that way. Sometimes we go to church pretending like we've got no problems. I mean, think about it. Are you, would you feel comfortable sharing some of those things that you struggle with the most to the people that are around you in church. It's tough. We, wanna, we are acutely aware of our weaknesses, but we don't want anybody else to be aware of them. Look over here. <laughs> don't look here. In our times of weakness, we try to make excuses or we try to blame our circumstances. For example, a person who drinks too much, eats too much, smokes too much, I might say, I've tried to quit, but things have been super tough at work. The point is, we make excuses for what would, we would deem as weaknesses. Instead of letting them be exposed, we try to hide them or we try to justify them. 
Sometimes when we are confronted with the fact that we are sinners who need a Savior, we try to change the subject. We might say, what in the world? What is that preacher? What gives him the right to tell me that I need to repent? If the people only knew half the stuff that he does, he has no right to tell me I'm a sinner. Or maybe you have a, had a friend or family member point out a certain sin and you respond in a super defensive manner. We've all done this. I, I am so bad at this uh, personally. I get defensive like, like that. It's got, I mean, it's got to the point where Rose has learned how to deal with me. She'll approach me and say, look, I don't want you to be defensive about anything. I'm not saying this because I think you should be doing it. In other words, she's learned how to handle, uh, handle me in those situations. But I get defensive. defensive. When I get exposed, when a weakness is exposed, I get real defensive. While we are on the subject, somebody might also say this. Uh, and I, ta- I talked to some people recently about this. Well, the Bible says that you're, you are not supposed to judge. Right? So sometimes we say that if somebody points out a sin in our lives. Well, you're not supposed to even be judging me, so turn right back around and walk the other way. Well, it's true, the Bible, but it, the Bible says that. But the Bible also says this. I looked up some verses. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. In other words, if you truly love someone, you're not going to let them continue in harmful practices. You're going to expose their practices with the word of God. With the hopes that it's stopped. The Word of God also charges pastors with this. Even though they are evil men themselves, uh, I'm a sinner, but the Bible, the Bible oppresses me with this part of uh, my job. Preach the Word. Be prepared in season, out of season. Correct rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So I think there's some uh, poise in how the pastors to do this. Some gentleness of heart. But at the same time, he's not supposed to overlook. I'm kind of a weak person. So sometimes I'm like thinking I would rather not even know. Does that make sense? Because I know this is part of my job description and I don't like confrontation. So sometimes I'm like, I I just, I, I would rather not even know. Unless you're like looking to be forgiven for it, then I'm like happy to talk, talk about it. But if you're in the part where you're not wanting to be confronted with God, uh, that's, that's tough. 
But this is part of a pastor's job, to expose sin so it can be healed. Let me give you one more verse. Proverbs 9.8 says, Do not rebuke a mocker, or he will hate you. But rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. In our scriptures, we see both mockers and wise men. Which one are we? That's a good question. And after Jesus overwhelmed, astounded, and struck the people outside of themselves, they began immediately to talk. They did not listen to what Jesus was saying, they were uncomfortable. And they said, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? But but is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? They were confronted with this might be who he says he is, and then they tried to discredit Jesus. Just like we try to discredit people that God uses to rebuke us. Who's he? They were saying, who is this to rebuke me? They were mockers, and they hated rebuke. The Bible says they took offense at him. They were offended by God's love. I mean, in Jesus, it is God's love for the world. So I don't know if you've ever been offended at at church um, where where, uh, a sin is pointed out where you're like, ah, we shouldn't be talking about that. Well, these guys, I don't know what Jesus brought up, but they took offense at him. They were like, he should not be saying that. This was supposed to be a great day. You know, Jesus has come home. Now he's making it all weird. (laughs) They disagreed uh, with what Jesus said. And because of that, it says Jesus could do no mighty works there. What does this mean? Well, Jesus' main work was to take the sins of the world upon himself. And take those sins to the cross where he would die and rise again, therefore earning and life, life and salvation for those who believe. If the people reject Jesus, they reject life and salvation that he brings. They reject God's mighty work. I, I, I note that because then it says he could do no mighty works except for he did a few miracles here and there. We tend to think that the mighty work is doing all the miracles. But the mighty work is the forgiving of sin. Have you ever rejected Jesus? You'll probably immediately say no, but in truth, it is super hard not to reject Jesus each and every day. I reject him every single time I sin. Every time I make an excuse to sin, I have to make an excuse to get out from under God's word. 
There is no excuse for this. I need Jesus. We need him. I was just praying last night. Um, uh, I, I, was, I, I have not been in God's word really this week uh, for, for devotion. And um, I was praying last night, Lord, I just need tomorrow so bad. Like, you know, I just, perhaps you've been in that boat. You just stray from time to time. You're not in God's word. And I was like, thank you for Sunday. Thank you for calling us back together. I need it. And I'm guessing I'm not the only one. So, In our Old Testament lesson, uh, Ezekiel is also knocked down by God's word, which came to him from a vision. Ezekiel recalls, when I saw it, I fell on my face. He did not make excuses like the people in Nazareth. He simply laid silent before the Lord. Unlike Isaiah, his sinfulness rendered him speechless. And the Lord spoke. And this blows me away. The Lord spoke. He said, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. And Ezekiel recalls how it went down. He says, And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered in me and set me on my feet. What can we learn from this? Not to make excuses for sins. Know this. You're a sinner. If somebody points it out to you, don't say but. Just say, I confess. In fact, that's the first part of my confession, who I am. I am a sinner. The second part of our confession is who Jesus is. He is God's boundless mercy. Infinite love. For me. Um, So don't make excuses. Know also that Jesus has died for those sins. He heals you by his word. He says, I forgive you all your sins. Notice that God told Ezekiel, stand up. Did Ezekiel follow orders? No. Let me read that one more time. Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. And Ezekiel recalls, and as he spoke to me, the spirit entered in me and set me on my feet. I couldn't do it. If you think you have to get yourself presentable to God in order to approach God, like I got to take care of this sin in my life, I've got to take care of that sin, uh, I, I really have to work on this before I go back to church, before I start reading God's word, before, 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 before. Ezekiel could not stand until God's spirit made him stand. 
God said stand, Ezekiel still laying there, but as God spoke, so as he heard, his, the God's spirit entered into him and set him on his feet. Put yourself in a position where you can be set on your feet. Does it make sense? Hear the word. Hear the word and he will set you on your feet. And as he speaks to you, the spirit enters into you and sets you on your feet. Um, that, that's a, a beautiful thing. So I've kind of been all over the place. But uh, I, to boil this down in a couple of sentences, do not, do not be a mocker. Just, I, I pray that you're not a mocker when you're presented with God's word. But I pray that you are a, a wise man, a, a wise woman. That you understand that God wants to expose things in your life for the purpose of healing them. He loves you. Cancer kills. Whether you go to the doctor and get it exposed or, or not... It'll, it'll kill you. <laughs> we really desire, sin does the exact same thing. It doesn't matter if you're not going to the doctor. It doesn't matter if you're not reading the word. It's doing its work. Go to the doctor. Go to church. Read the Bible. Be presented with a God who loves you. And don't reject him saying, who is he to judge me? He, he's um, exactly who he says he is. He's the son of God sent because the father loves you. Receive him. In the name of Jesus, amen.